You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 215. Today, I'm talking to Amy Porterfield about how to play big. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode, a Monday edition of the Mind Your Business podcast. It's Monday. Well, if you're listening to this when the episode comes out, how you doing? I hope you had, for our American friends, a wonderful, amazing, safe, and grateful Thanksgiving holiday. We had two. We had two different Thanksgivings. We had one on, what, Tuesday? And I had one on Thursday. And on Thursday, we actually went out. And we went to this hotel slash restaurant in Laguna, and they turned an entire ballroom, like conference room, into a massive buffet with every type of food you can imagine. And I realized I was in a room with some of the smartest people in our town <laughs> because what a brilliant idea. Like, you don't have, I mean, I know it's not traditional and I know you know, it's not the same, but you don't have to worry about all the cooking. You don't have to worry about all the cleaning all the decorating, all the planning, all the getting the house ready, which I've always seen like with my family that becomes a very stressful thing. And my mom who normally still hosts or has host Thanksgiving in the past was just like, screw it, we're going out. And it was amazing. And I'm like, why haven't we been doing this? Like we can, it's a buffet. I can get as much food as I want and I can get every different thing. There was like crab legs and turkey. And then there was like roast beef. And then there was like prime rib. You know, it was like everything. Anyway, so that was my Thanksgiving. I hope, you had a, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We got a really special episode today for you. This is actually the first time that my dear, dear friend of many years, Miss Amy Porterfield, is going to be coming on the show. It's a good episode. It's a long episode, so I won't spend too much more time with you here, I promise. But Amy actually came to the office. She was just at our last mastermind retreat that we had of the year. And so I said, hey, come on in. Let's just chat. We chatted about everything. In fact, I was like, do we want to make this a really specific topic? And she's like, well, let's just talk. So we talked about all kinds of things. But the, the big theme of it is, you know, most people, if you're in this industry, know Amy. Amy's been around for a very long time. She's got an incredible business. She's got a, an amazing podcast. It just gets like 10 gajillion downloads an episode or something, something accurately like that, approximate. And what she shared, it was so amazing. Like, yes, we hear her story and how her origin story really intersects with my origin story. That's how we, we met at the same time. We got started at the same time. It was a really cool story. But we also hear that even though she's got a big business, she was authentic and transparent enough on this episode to share in ways that she has still played small in her business, ways in which she held herself back. And I know it's easy for us to compare ourselves to others and say, oh, she's got it all together. Oh, he's got it all figured out. And the truth of the matter is the fact is no one does. No one's got it all figured out. Maybe we're just a, someone's just a few steps ahead of you, but we all have our own battles, our own 
beliefs, our own stories, our own interpretations that we're working through. And it was so amazing to hear someone that's like so larger than life and has a huge business for the person that's been running that for a long time to be able to admit and acknowledge where they were still playing small and still playing safe in their business. And it's such an inspiring wake up call for the rest of us to see where we're playing small and to see what can happen when we play a bigger game. When we get out of our fears, out of these stories of what if they don't like me? What if they judge me? What if it's not good enough? Then we start operating from a place of faith, from a place of service and conviction, impact. I don't know. You're going to have to try it on. But I hope you'll listen carefully to this episode and listen so much to just how authentically and vulnerably Amy shared. It was an incredible episode. I loved just hearing it. I loved seeing Amy's growth and transformation over the years and getting to know her. She's an incredible person and it's an incredible interview. So without further ado, let's play that for you right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Amy Porterfield. Well, hello there, James Wedmore. Amy Porterfield. I'm so excited to be here. You're here in Wedmore HQ. Yes. Welcome. Thank you so it's much. It's impressive here. It's very fun. Yeah. We got a, We just watched the sunset. We got the ocean view and now we get to chat, chat business, chat life, chat everything else we want to talk about. And we got a lot to cover today. We've had a good conversation about what we want to cover. So for those of you guys who don't know, Amy and I have known each other for quite some time. Yes. Like it's like seven years in real life, but in like online marketing years, it's like, that's like 40. I feel like it's a lifetime. I feel like I knew you before I even started, which is not true. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into some stuff. Amy's going to share some stuff about some really exciting shifts that she's had in her life, how she's revamped her mindset. Right. She's like upgraded to the next evolution of Amy, like 10.0. I have. Uh, she's thinking differently. She's she's acting differently. And we're going to get into that today. But I figured like with every great Marvel superhero movie, we've got to start with the origin story. And I want to start with like the origin story of your origin story is like my origin story. And it's also like our origin story of how we met. Yes. So once upon a time, why don't you just kind of start us there and we'll see where that goes. Okay, so I left my job with Tony Robbins in 2009, and I ventured out on my own, and I started to do social media for small businesses, but that was never my plan. I always knew when I left Tony Robbins that I wanted to create online training courses and sell them with launches and webinars. You knew that, and this is like From the 2010, 2009, something like that? Yes. And you know at about that same time, before we had met, I was doing the same thing where I was, well, I didn't, I wasn't working with Tony, but when you left to go do social media, I was doing that for real estate agents. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. It's weird that our stories are very similar very in similar. many ways. And, and did you like, did you love it? Did you hate, hate it? it? Hated every minute of it. Were you like doing it for them? Yes. Like the service of it? Yes. I remember I was posting for these companies and one of them was a hair care company, a really big one. I won't say the name because you know, it's Revlon. Yeah, it was Revlon. Yes, although that's a really weird one that you chose. Wait, that's such a I don't guy know. one. I don't know on hair companies. Yeah. So anyway, I was doing this, and I posted something on their social media, something to get engagement, and I literally posted something about their competitor, like to boost their competitor. I wasn't really Oops. good at it. Yeah, Oops. it wasn't my. It's like here's this article from our number it, one competitor. Pretty much like that. This was also, guys, to take you back. This is like. Twitter had just come out. Yes. So part of the work is you had to convince people like, yes. no, there's this thing called Twitter and you got to use it. And they're like, why? And they're like, well, there's this guy, Gary Vee, going around yelling oh, about yeah. it. 
Yeah, good old days. Back in the days. So you started doing that and you already, you didn't love it and you already knew that there was something more you wanted to do. So true. When I worked at Robbins, he was creating digital courses. I worked on these digital courses and he was starting to work with internet marketers like Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, Eben Pagan, and they were kind of teaching them the ropes a little bit about internet marketing. Mm -hmm. And so I got to sit in on those meetings and I was obsessed. Like, who are these guys? I had no idea who they were, but I wanted what they had and I had no idea how I was going to get there. But I knew in my heart that I should be creating courses and I should be doing webinars. So that was always in the back of my mind. Is it crazy to like even hear yourself say that and like here you are today and what you've done? So crazy. I remember I worked at Tony Robbins with my best friend Gina and I looked at her and I said, you're a writer so you could quit and you could sell your, your services. I have nothing that would make me money mm. outside of working in a nine to five job. And that for so a while, you, you wanted to do courses, but you didn't even, you're like, but I have nothing that I even know. No, like wow. I have nothing. So it was the weirdest thing that I knew I wanted to do it, but I had no idea how I would do it. But that's yeah. how it always starts. That's how it always starts. But I think the difference, I think that where the paths already diverge for people is there's that choice where I want to do this, but I don't know how. And that's okay versus therefore I can't. Yes. And that's where most people stop. And clearly you didn't. So what happened then? So from there is kind of where you and I meet up because I did my own thing for a while and I started to put out a lot of content and I started to specialize in Facebook marketing. So I was starting to get known around Facebook marketing and I would go to these events with Mike Stelzner of Social Media Examiner Mm -hmm. and I would be his wrangler for celebrity types so he could film them for his brand new website. No. Oh, wait. Yes. By Wrangler, you mean what? Uh, will you come over and talk to Mike Stelzner because <laughs> he wants to interview you? Have like, you heard of the founder of Social Media Examiner? He wants to interview you. Yes. Like, come. And Social Media Examiner wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. So it wasn't, but Mike was well known. So people would say yes. But I would go, I remember Darren Rouse, you know, pro blogger. Mm-hmm. I was so starstruck and I went up to him and I said, it's time for your interview. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Like, and he was so nice to me, but that's how I got kind of starting to meet people was I was humbled and I said yes when opportunities came my way Mm. and so I was at this event blog world yep and I did it a few years and that's where I met Lewis Howes and this is like 2010 now yes okay and so I started becoming friends with Lewis Howes and then he kind of saw some of the content I was putting out there and he said I think you should create a Facebook program and I'll help you market it with his partner Sean Malarkey at the time what went through your mind as soon as he said that Hell yeah. 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 It was an instant yes. But was it like you had already been thinking that or was it like, oh, here it was right in front of me and I didn't even realize it? Yeah. That's such a great question. I think it was a hell yes because I knew I was meant to create courses Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a list yet and I didn't really have a big audience. So I didn't know at the time what a big deal that was going to be for me. Did you know? I mean, we have similar stories. Did they come to you that same way? Well, so at the exact same time that this was happening for you, Lewis came out to Laguna and to visited me and I was going through like a, I, I've talked about this on the podcast, like an interesting time because I was, I had stopped this social media stuff that I was doing for people to go a hundred percent into somebody else's business as a partnership. 
and they were like the front person. And naturally I'm kind of a more behind the scenes person anyways. Like I could be the behind the scenes of someone else and you know, not like Lewis, like the self promoter, which we can get into like what that's like, you know, talking about ourselves and self promotion yeah. <laughs> over the years uh, and what we've had to do to get better at that. But yeah, anyways, the partnership fell apart. The person just like, cool, you, you know, you built me this six figure business. I don't need you anymore. And I was like, just out. And I was like, what? And at that same time, Lewis came and visited me and he had just had a really bad deal happen as well. Like some kind of JV affiliate thing where the person didn't pay him or something. And he was just like really upset and I was really upset. And it was kind of this like, sometimes like anger and frustration can just be like, you know, you, when you, that moment you've just like, I've had it. Yes. And he's just like, he's like, I hate working with like crappy people that are dishonest and just in it for a quick buck and blah, blah, blah. He's like, from now on, I only want to work with friends and amazing people. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we should do something. And I'm just like, in my head, like, be cool, play, play cool. And I was like, yeah, we should. And he's like, what do you want to create? Let's do a course together. And I'm like, okay. He's like, what do you want a course on? I was like, how about YouTube? Sounds great. And that was it. Like that, that was it. I so would yours never came before mine then. I think probably from yours. And he's like, wait, we can I do know Facebook. The, I know the date. I know not the specific date. I know the month. It was January of 2011. Oh, I don't remember my exact date. And what, what I remember at this point was that he, he was like, okay, great. And then him and Sean went back and they like drafted up contracts. And within a month or two, they started. To, but then one of the next times they talked to me, they're like, so we're also going to be doing this with another woman as well, selling this other product on Facebook. And, you know, part of me is like, who is this? I bee? felt the same right? way about you. Yep. And, and yours got to go first. Mine got, went to go ah. first. And, and here's the other thing too, is they would like, you know, I was already full-fledged entrepreneur. Like I didn't have corporate. So like all of a sudden I'm getting calls from like Lewis and Sean. So I have two bosses all of a sudden and they're like, how's it coming? Yeah. And we need module one by this date and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, look, I know how to create something amazing and it's going to come in my own process. And you gave me a due date. I don't need this. And they would compare me to you and they'd be like, well, here's the thing. The other person we're working with, Amy, has already given us a thorough step-by-step -step outline with bullet points and a summary of each. And I'm like, what the F? Like, I don't work like that. And screw her, right? And so there was this like person I didn't know, which yep. was Amy, on the other side that was doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. So weird. I remember when I first met you. We I, were at somebody's like get together mastermind kind of thing. I don't know wow, what we were, we were there for. I don't know, but I remember meeting you and thinking, so I had known about you and I knew that they were choosing you to go before me. And I really did think, I don't think this way anymore, but I, back in the day had this lack of abundance, like he's going to take all the money and all the audience. And so, and I didn't know any better. I'd never launched anything. And so I met you and I'm like, who is this 10 year old kid? Like what, what is, why did it, why are they letting him go? He's oh not even my, out of high school oh yet. Oh my God. You looked so yeah. young. Yeah. Uh, you know. still do, but back in the day, holy cow. But you were very, very cool. I was pretty cool. I liked you instantly. Yeah, I'm a really cool guy. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I don't remember that, but I do remember as soon as I went, our first launch. And look, guys, this was January for me that they were talking about this idea. How about YouTube? Okay. By September, we had launched. And Video Traffic Academy, I think we did over $400,000 in sales. And these, like, looking back to, isn't it funny? We were selling these programs for 
$97. And we made a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. We reached a lot of people, like webinars with hundreds and hundreds of people doing them multiple times mm-hmm. a day. And I remember talking to you after then going like, okay, you're about to go next. Let me tell you all the things I screwed up, yes. all the mistakes I made and how you can you know, improve it. And you guys did way better. It w- it was a huge benefit that we got to go second because they yep. learned all what the, you guys learned, everything you needed to learn. And I got to then reap the benefits. Did you do like 10 to 15 webinars a week? I was like I was a doing rented three, mule. Yeah, I was doing three a day. Okay, yeah. And it was like, Lewis would be there like, and we were in his New York City apartment. Yes. You know, he's got his shirt off because, you know, he's <laughs> Okay, Lewis. he did not have his shirt off. No, he, ke- he kept it on for you. But, you know, uh, we're in there and he was like, massaging me and giving me uh like green protein shakes in between webinars to like keep me pumped up and energized and it was like it's such a nostalgic it was such a fun time but it was you would go from one webinar and then they'd be like wrap it up because you'd end it and then they've got another one in two minutes and you just go right back into it it was crazy and i do want to kind of stop and just say i subscribe to getting on the no train like when things happen in my business now, I definitely don't jump to every yes just because it's a great opportunity. But back then, the best thing I think both of us could have done is to say yes to an opportunity that we didn't really know was going to work or not. Right. I think we both, like we, I think you and I both joked that Lewis got really lucky with us. Yeah. Like we're the greatest yeah. people, but we're, we also got lucky with him Very as well. Very lucky, yes. And you know, there's just that type of relationship worked really well but he was he was very lucky yeah (laughs) um you know because we've done that i don't know if you've done that where you're like oh i'm gonna bring you on and i'm gonna publish you in some capacity oh i've never done that and we have and it and it usually ends in like you know pretty yucky disaster Mm. uh because it's you know you're dealing with that person and their mindset and who am i to be doing this and all and they've never doing it before and they're like a deer in the headlights on that first webinar somehow you and i just figured it out it's so cool it was it was really cool and that that you guys to hear a little inside it was like a jumping off like springboard for both of us amy became the go-to facebook gal like facebook marketing so true and then i from that point forward you know because lewis was at the start of both our calls saying Amy Porterfield is the number one Facebook marketing <laughs> expert on the planet. No, the universe, right? You know, and it's Amy like... Amy was over the top. Right. And it's like, oh, is there a competition that I... <laughs> yes, is the marketing Olympics. I mean, it was crazy. And I remember they ran tons of ads to those webinars. And yeah. people would say to me, oh my gosh, your business has taken off. You're crazy. You're everywhere. You're everywhere. You know, you must be making tons of money. And at the time, the money wasn't really rolling in yet. You know, you got to get started. But those ads made people think that I had exploded. Yeah. So there were tons. I mean, let's not get us wrong. That was hard, hard work, like mm-hmm. making that work. But there were so many benefits that came from that. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And it is. It's just good times. So that was 2011. It's, it's been seven, eight years that is a long time in in the like timeline and context of of internet land. It just it feels like a long time. It feels Very. like yesterday, but it feels like so much has happened and so much has changed. Yeah. And the, I think going deeper with this, what is anything that you've seen uh, how the landscape has changed in these past seven or eight years since you've been you know here? Yeah, that's such a great question. I really do believe that what I've seen is has changed dramatically is I hate the buzzword, but it's true. Way more authenticity, way more truth, way more vulnerability in 
internet marketers business than back in the day. And also, I'm starting to see a shift. This is probably in the last year. It was always the good old boys club, mm, always. Mm-hmm. And I was always the only girl in a room of a small group when people would get yeah. together. What was that like for you? Was that like upsetting or? It was awkward to me. And I definitely was quieter. And mm-hmm. I definitely, I was raised with a really strict dad. He was the boss. He was the breadwinner. So I might have a few daddy issues because when I was around a bunch of men, I kind of took a back seat. Mm. And lucky for me, I did a lot of things right. So it didn't hinder me. But now where I'm at and where I'm going and how the landscape has changed, I don't feel that way at all. And I think the men are seeing the value of these women entrepreneurs that are coming up and doing great things. Absolutely. And I look at, well, first of all, I look at our stats on Instagram and you know how you can see like what percentage is men and Mm -hmm. women. We watch that and it keeps going higher and higher female. It was like 60% and then it was like 61. And you're like, whoa, it's growing 62, 63. And it just keeps growing. I love it. And we look at our most recent enrollment period for business by design. And like some people are kind of joking. It's like, where are the dudes? It is crazy. My audience has shifted to probably 70% women, Mm -hmm. where it used to be very 50-50 for a while. Yeah, so definitely a shift. Probably, I've been a little bit more catering to the women, probably a little more. Mm -hmm. But I also think the honesty and the vulnerability and the being more real, I think women gravitate toward that more. Totally. Well, let's talk about that, because you said it's like it's kind of becoming a buzzword and you almost like party doesn't like it. But without using the word, like, what does that look like? And what is it that you actually are embracing? Because it's a good thing, right? Yeah, I am embracing talking about the stuff that doesn't work and Mm -hmm. the stuff that I'm struggling with. I did an episode all about depression with Jasmine, our dear friend. And I would have never done that two or three years ago, ever even thought about it. I did an episode on my podcast about my weight loss struggle. And never in a million years when I started that podcast would I have thought that would have even been appropriate. Well, I remember when we we yes, I called hung, you. Hung out and then and yes. talked, and you were like, "I'm thinking about doing yes. this." And I was like, "Do it, do yeah, it, do that it." That was the first it. thing you said. Yeah. But can you imagine that kind of episode back in 2010? Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like it wouldn't have fit in that world that we were in. Yeah, and it wouldn't have fit. But I do think people would have been like, "Wow," totally. because I think it just is like so much more. It's like the emperor's clothes. Like when everyone's naked, it doesn't feel like it. And that's yeah. I think what's happening is is a lot of podcast hosts and experts and and industry leaders are becoming more exposing. And when everyone does that, it's, it's almost like everyone is, it's, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not as much, but to do it back then would be, take some like huge courage. It would have still does today. And I think people still would have resonated, but you're right. It was non-existent. It really wasn't. And, you know, I wonder partly like how much social media itself plays a role in that, in that you get the feedback you know, that's a big thing I see with social media that's that's changed in what we do mm-hmm. is that there's immediate feedback about, you know, like just even the idea of a Facebook Live, not yeah. not being around when we were doing it. And now you can say something and then in three seconds, you either get people saying, they oh, that was amazing or not. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and we didn't have that type of feedback, like real time like that. And I think it is. It's encouraging all of us to to be more open and to be vulnerable. I think so. I think it's so incredibly important. And I do see something happening that I hope 
doesn't go too much to one side. And that is, look at me, I'm authentic. Yeah. I'm relatable. Right. So let's talk about that because I, I see that yeah. actually a lot. And I'd love to hear from you, like where people are actually getting this wrong or it's the inauthentic authenticity and what that looks like and like what not to do. I think sometimes people are over shares to the point that they want to put it all out there. Mm-hmm. However, they are very aware of why they're doing it to get the people to notice them and come into their world. So this is not going to sound, it's not even going to make sense maybe, but what I feel is that they make such a huge effort to say, I am real, I'm authentic, I'm putting it out there that when I meet them in real life, I'm like, that you are not mm. being honest on social media. We're starting to meet people that have a persona on social media and you know instantly, like the biggest compliment I could ever get, and I truly mean this, is when someone says, yep. you are exactly like you are online. Yep. Exactly. And I love that. And you know, James, I haven't always been. So when we were back in our mastermind with David Seitman Garland and Stu McLaren yep. and us, and we had this group, and I remember David used to say, I want the I want the internet world to see the real Amy mm. and I have a little bit of a sailor's mouth and um, <laughs> that is do the they truth. know that on your podcast um, I think I might have mentioned it once but I said the f word at a live event with like 400 people in the audience and they cheered and I knew they were my people yeah but I don't say it on a podcast because I know some people listen with their kids so, in the car so let's talk about that because there's the real Amy and then there was the one that you were presenting mostly in your Facebook expert mm-hmm. days Why were you doing that? So coming from Tony Robbins, that was a very corporate environment. And and before that, I was always corporate. And I believed I needed to show up in a very professional way. And my value was in how organized and professional and buttoned up that I was. And Mm -hmm. I felt that if someone was going to pay me, I need to come across as that. And so some way uh, along the way, I learned that professional meant successful. Mm. And so I felt like I just had to be that person. I also was very scared to just be me. I didn't love myself as much. I didn't have as much confidence. And I I was afraid that people wouldn't like the real me. So I had to show up more professional. It has, it's really been in the last probably two years that that shift has been made. And is it mostly around the loving yourself more? Oh, a hundred percent. Accepting myself, loving myself more and getting to a place I, you know, I've now in my forties getting to a place like, if you don't like me, do not follow Mm, me. And uh, Jasmine, when she was on my podcast way back when she had this funny saying like something, oh, now I can't remember, but she would say like, if they're not going to like me, I don't care. Let them go do their thing. And that was hard for me. I wanted everybody to like me. Wow. So that is a huge shift. I'm okay if you don't know. And, and that's huge. I want to go deeper with that in a second, but I want to chime in on this because I see, I think we see that with a lot of people. The challenge here is like, here we are with this thing called social media where things are called friends and like, Yes. and then here we are with a business and we're blending the two. And it's like, we forget what our objective is. Is the objective to get everyone to like us and for everyone to be our friends? Or is it for us to operate the function of the business, which is to get our message out, to make the impact, to make the sales, to build our list, to serve our customers? And, you know, I think we need to remind ourselves that those two are separate. Like something I always say is like, I have my family, I have my friends, I I have my tribe. I'm not looking to get anybody else out there to like me. And I also joke and say like, look, you can hate me, but that I, that doesn't stop me from helping you. you oh, know? I like you that. You don't have to like me at all in order to learn from me. Oh, I need um, to steal that, okay? <laughs> yeah, That's a you, good one. You can, but you know, the first thing is like, how did you see 
that need to be liked by everyone impacting your business? I was playing small. Yeah. And what what does playing small look like? I was for someone so big. Like, yeah, I was putting offers out there that were safe. Mm. I wanted to please everybody. So I didn't want to polarize anybody with this idea or that idea. So really simple offers, probably charging less than I was worth Mm. for a long time. And also biting my tongue. And what I've learned is that my audience loves my version. It's probably the nicest version of tough love. Someone wrote me a card in there like, I love when tough love Amy comes out (laughs) where that's my version of saying, you're not going to like this. Maybe you're not going to like me, but this is what you need. And uh, it comes out around list building. I still don't have a list. And I finally said, then get a list, then do something (laughs) about it. I'm tired of hearing that. And so a year or two ago, I would never have said that because Mm -hmm. it sounds rude. So what changed? What changed? I've always known I was in this for the long haul. I am an internet marketer or I'm a trainer and I knew I was going to do this until I was ready to retire and not do it anymore. And I could not keep showing up for other people. I got tired of it and burned out and more than anything, resentful. When I started to resent people in my audience, I knew there was something I was doing that was causing this, not them. And so I had to check in and I thought, oh, because I'm, I'm not being honest. I'm not being open. I'm not sharing what I want to share. Wow. So that's huge because I've talked about this with my team before when it comes to like resentment. Yeah. And I say, chances are, this is my theory, is that chances are when you're resentful, like of someone or a customer or something like that, or just anybody in your life, chances are it's it's not that you're angry or resentful at them. It's that you're angry for yourself that you weren't able to be fully self-expressive. You weren't, yes. you weren't able to say what you wanted to say. And now you're resenting them for it because you don't want to look at the fact that you didn't have the courage to say what was really needed to be said. It's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. And I recognized it and I thought no more. Yeah. How freeing is that? Oh, so freeing. And did your whole list disappear or everyone <laughs> refunded? And- no, I feel like I have the most engaged audience I've ever Isn't had. Isn't that interesting? Isn't yes. that interesting like how everything is so backwards? Like we're afraid of all these things that are happening, but the, the whole like paradox of it all is it's like, it's the actual fear of it that's creating this self-fulfilling prophecy. But when you actually get through the fear, that's when you actually get the things you want. Like authenticity, like I'm afraid they won't like me if I'm authentic. Ironically, every single time you're authentic and you have the courage to be vulnerable is when people connect with you even more. Yes. And this is how like pervasive fear is and and how big and real it is for us as experts, as personal brands. Like it's everywhere. I love it. So, so true. You, you said something about being here, being in it for the long haul, which yeah. I love it. And that was something I want to ask a question on that, but I got to touch in because that was something that was always in my mind too. Yeah. When I started my YouTube channel, I said, like, I don't know everything about YouTube. I'm going to figure it out. I don't make the best videos and I'm not the best looking on camera. You're pretty damn good looking. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. But what I did say to myself, and, I, and I, when I tell this to people, they're like, wow, that's interesting. I never thought of it. I said, I said, at least the strategy or the foundation I'll have is that I will put out so many videos for so long that when someone finally does land on it and sees all the other work, they'll go, this guy's here to stay. I might as well listen to him. Yes. Versus, cause I would go to other people's channels. I'd go, you can see it on Instagram. You can see it somewhere, where someone like tried something for a month and then they're like, it didn't make me a million dollars. I give up. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to do this for a year, two years, three years, even if I don't make a dime, no matter what. And then I believe that it's me doing that. That's going to grow my business. So I was in it for the long haul too. 
it's interesting that we're still here. Right. So my question here is what we in the as the landscape has changed so mm-hmm. much, and I love what you brought up, this distinction of the movers and shakers today are movers and shakers because they're being so vulnerable. Yeah. And they're sharing. There's, you know, so many like people just say, oh, I've got the latest secret and tactic. It's like, do we really need more of the latest secrets and <laughs> no. tactics? Like, are you l- really like, I don't have a funnel. I don't, I don't know what a landing page is still. But what we want to hear is from like real people in the trenches doing it who have found the courage so that we too can have the courage as well. But so many people have come and gone in these seven years. Yes. So many, like like these 15 minutes of fame, people that we looked up to. And oh my gosh. They're ghosts. It's like, remember so-and-so? What would you say you would attribute to someone like yourself who has had massive stain power, you're more relevant today than you were even a few years ago versus someone that maybe was then and isn't now? I think one of the things, I'd love to know your opinion of this Mm -hmm. because for me, it feels very personal. I do a good job of sticking with what works and making it better Mm. versus jumping from idea to idea. Now for me, I always say this and it's very true. I don't have tons of ideas. Like you have tons of ideas. He had an idea. This podcast was my idea for (laughs) just for the record, my idea. (laughs) But even when I sat down here, I told him something I wanted to do and he's like, here's an idea to take it even bigger. I don't have that mentality. What I do though is I have, when I do something really well, I stick with it. Mm -hmm. And I tell my students this, I launched Profit Lab, one of my very big successful courses on my own after Lewis and Sean. Yes. And I launched it and I launched it and I launched it and I launched it. Okay. It's funny you say that because I learned that lesson from you. We were at our peer-based mastermind. I think it was the one in Palm Springs and it was Facebook marketing lab at the time. Yep. And you said, okay, so first time I launched it, I remember the numbers. You made $30,000. Yes. You launched it again and you did 65,000. <laughs> you launched it again and it was like 130. And then it was all of a sudden it was like 300,000. Uh-huh. And you just, you were just sharing that. You're like, and then it was like, it was your, your hot seat. And you're like, and my next launch is coming up and I have some questions. And I like, from that point on, I just heard, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I was just like fixated on like 30 to 60 to 120. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Cause that's what I had been doing. I'd be like, great. This product works. What else can I create and sell? Right. And I see so many people doing that. <laughs> so many people doing that. And we actually shared a slide and this is all inspired from you in 2012, 13, whatever that year was where I went and I talked about the power of creating momentum through just consistent, like, like almost like we got to start to kill off a bit of the entrepreneur in us. Yes. Because it takes discipline, not chasing after what's new and exciting. It might get a little boring doing it again, right? Right, totally. And that was such a strength of yours. And I learned that from you. And so I shared this slide and it was my graph of business by design. Love. And and how it's grown. And it's a giant hockey stick. And I said, this is what it looks like when you do something obsessively over and over consistently for three years. It didn't start paying off until the last year. Are you willing to put in those two years of work before then? That's huge. So, it is. So you're saying you see a lot of people that are just jumping around and like... One and done, moved on to the next mm-hmm. thing, or I've got this great idea. I know tons of my friends that are not making, let's say, you know, they everyone's striving for a million dollars, right? And they're not there, but they are always changing their mind. Right. And that is, I believe, what gets in the way of, of the longevity like we've had. Yeah. Something I learned a long time ago, which I love, is this idea that... um 
to entrepreneurs like in like we use the Brene Brown reference uh, in the arena like we're in there we're getting our butts kicked yep. every day we're fighting the battle the good fight and uh, having our wins having our losses and all that stuff to us we know that ideas even if you want to tell yourself a story that you don't have a lot of ideas you and I both know that ideas are everywhere True. opportunities yes, are everywhere I agree that if you wanted to go in a different direction you could right yes and it's to, it's almost like to the people in the stands they think that you stumble upon an idea and it's like this rare thing that you'll never find again and it really does become so much more of the work to be disciplined to say no so it's interesting to see that the beginning of your story was about saying yes to everything yeah but as soon as something really took off, it's like, now it's time to get on the no train. So true. And one of the thing that has helped me, and this one's a little bit more tough for some people, is that I also make sure that my ego is not driving my business. Mm. And as you and I both know, we've had tons of opportunities come yeah. our way. And as you start to see something successful in your business, if you keep saying yes to all those other things, that one launch that you're going to do over and over again starts to take backseat. Yeah. So tell me more about that. What does it look like? How would you know if the ego is driving the bus? So here's a great example. And I've said yes before and I will not do it again. So someone will say, Amy, will you speak at our event and we'll pay you $20,000. And maybe back in the day, it might've been 10,000 still mm -hmm. feels like a lot. And I'd say yes, because I was it, my ego. Like you want me to speak on your stage? Like, look at me, I'm flying somewhere and I'm speaking on the stage. And I charge 20,000 yeah, for speaking fees. Exactly. Wow. And I look at, and this has happened to me. I look out of that audience and I think, not one of them is my ideal customer avatar, not one person. So all I get is bragging rights that I just got flown here, paid mm -hmm. this, and I'm speaking from stage. Well, I am not launching my next course. Yeah. While my team is totally confused at what they're doing because I'm flying all around, busy as heck, doing stuff to feed my ego, instead of when I'm at my office doing my work, I think you can agree to this, I get stuff done. Yes, yes. So it's a, it's a matter of, are you gonna feed your ego with something that, you know, inflates that new opportunity new opportunity or are you going to feed your vision yes so it's take you know saying yes to that thing with the ego is saying no to your vision in that I, same moment exactly when and i learned that everything shifted yeah and i think it costs it costs us more than we even realize you can ask yourself that in the moment if okay if i pay, say yes this twenty thousand, what am i saying no to what is that costing me and whatever your answer is like just amplify it times 10 especially when you have a team because when they're confused it's like the way i have to when i hear you say that story i have to imagine it's like you're this captain on the ship and you're like we're going this way <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like but you guys got this. I'm going to go do this other thing exactly. real quick. And they're just sitting there like, what are we doing now? Yes. And that can be really painful for them, for the future of the business. So yeah, saying no, having that discipline is, is absolutely huge. We're moving into planning for the new year. And we asked my team this question before Chloe and I do our meeting. And that is, what should we be saying no to mm. right now? Yep. Yeah. And yep. I don't think we ask ourselves that enough or what should we stop doing? Mm -hmm. And I know there's some stuff in my business and you know, you and I, we might have things dialed in, but there's always stuff always. that we can clean it's up. A, it's a never ending process. Never ending. And those are such great questions. So, so what should we, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to say no more to? Mm -hmm. And then I think also too, like just looking at what's already working. Yes. I, I don't know if you've noticed this over the years, great but question. your brain will like start to discount or discredit what worked and what came easy. Yes. And it was almost like it's a fluke or ah, that ain't no big deal. But it's like, no, that's the type of stuff we want to replicate, you know, repeat, rinse and repeat and amplify and just do more of that. 
So true. You know, and that's that's what we're finding. I think there's, again, growth happens in stages. And at that first stage, we might have to just say yes to everything. But that's what we find ourselves is refining our process and weeding out anything that is, you know, not maximized. Right. You know, and exactly. not aligned with, with the vision. So I want to stay with this for a little bit. Why do people come and go? Yeah. What would you say to that? Well, yeah, funny enough, I actually talked to Stu McLaren about this. And uh, by the way, he wants to get the old gang back. Oh, Stu, bring it on. I love right? him so much. He was like having a mastermind reunion. Which did is like, you really quick? Did you see the picture he posted on social yep, sure where did. long ago at one of our masterminds, Stu and I won first place with was it heads up? What were we playing? Oh my goodness. He posted that yes. picture. Oh, that's not the one I saw. What was um, that game we played? Yeah, it was Heads Up. Or, it was something it was like the, that. Uh, charades game, yes. the Ellen DeGeneres game. Yes, that's what it was. And Stu and I won first place and yeah. we were on a podium and he, you and Chelsea were in the picture. It was the first, yeah. I think it was the first trip Chelsea came to. That's right. Yeah, that so was, fun. That was a big deal. She came to join the gang. Yes, she did. Okay, so Stu said something really interesting. He talks about how he, he noticed a lot of them stopped learning. Like they got to the top. Here's this this landscape that we both agreed is ever changing, changes really fast, and they stop changing with it. They stop learning new things. I think they're just like you even said, like the good old boys, like they became irrelevant because they were they were stubborn. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to adapt to social media. They didn't want to adapt to a new way of communicating, like being vulnerable, being authentic. Yep. So I think it ties back to what you were saying earlier about what you've seen has changed. They refuse to do that. So that's a lot of what Stu said. And I, I really agree with that. Here's a theory I have that has been mulling around in my brain. And I'd love to know what your thoughts on this. I think there's a lot of people that think they want to do what we do. And then when they get it, they go, nope, 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 nope. Because it's like on the surface, you see what seems like a lot of good, like almost like a celebrity, like, wow, you're on stage and you got a standing ovation and you got all this applause and they don't see what went into that in, in terms of like much more than the internal journey that we've already started to talk about Mm -hmm. or like playing small and worrying about what everyone thinks about, you know, all the eyes are on you, but also like this sense of responsibility that I think, you know, it's like with that idea that, that phrase of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, but realizing that like, if you're going to put a program out there, coach people or lead people from a point A to a point B, like that's a big responsibility. And I think a lot of people that signed up for that didn't actually want that. They're like, I "I want the money and like the fame, but like, oh my gosh, I don't want to actually have to coach these people or help (laughs) them or blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's funny. Like even when you talked about when you noticed or you started to resent your people or certain customers, I mean, like we've all been there, but I think the difference is at that point, they just continue to resent. And then they said, so screw this, I'm out. And you said, no, 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 no. There's something not right here. I need to be looking at this a little differently than I have been. And then boom, you know, like a level of compassion, a level, a, a new game of like, how can I help these people in a way that I haven't been? And I think that's the difference. And I think if people out there in this industry, especially are not willing to do that today, I think they're going to become a thing in the past pretty soon. A hundred percent. I think if you are not in it for the right reasons yeah. and those reasons just need to be really clear to you, it's not going to work. Totally. I just, I just think people can feel it. Yeah. I think, I think they just do it. Like, I mean, People come up to me all the time, as I'm sure they do with you, and they don't just say like, you're just like you are in your podcast and in your course as you are in real life, but they say things like, I know you care. 
Yes. And that makes a huge difference. I also notice, I know the students in my courses that are going to kill it and those that are likely not going to get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And the big distinction is, and I know this is the two of us. When I was learning, I never expected somebody to show me how to do it. Like walk me through it. Wait, so I need the step-by-step. Give me the tools. Give me all your information. Like sometimes people suck me dry in terms of mm-hmm. what I know. Yeah. And the superstars, they learn the information, they ask some good questions and they just go figure it out. Yeah. And that to me has been a huge distinction of who gets to the finish line in my courses and who doesn't. It's that resourcefulness. And that's really important too, because you know, when we are coaching, one of the things I always say, and a lot of times our students get really frustrated. Right. And like at me and oh, I, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they ask the question, and they want the answer. Yes. And I will not give it to them. <laughs> that is something that you and I are different. However, I kind of like your style. <laughs> well, so here's the first thing is I have a theory or not a theory. It's a like a philosophy that I, I operate from. And it says, I never want to rob a student of a lesson. So if I tell you the answer, then you need me for for all the work. And just when you said like, oh, here's these people that just do it themselves. They become these very self-reliant, like figure it outers. Yes. And so I would rather give people the coaching and the tools so they can become self-reliant instead of thinking, oh, I'm just, James is my personal Google and I'll just go to him every time. So I never want to rob anyone of an answer or a lesson that they could come to themselves. And we don't, the fact of the matter is, you know this, we don't have the answers. Right. Like, it's, you know, I'm sure you get people coming to you and they're like, which niche should I choose? Right. You know, like, what should I do with my life? Because that's what they're asking when you're saying what niche. That's a yeah. big decision to make there that no one can make for you. And, you know, yeah, that can be frustrating at times. But I'm always asking too, why are they asking this question? Or what's the question that is behind this question? So... Anyways, I don't know where we... No, I love that that, though, that making sure that they feel as though they learn the lesson on their own. Mm -hmm. So important. And also the day that you're not available, they will start to feel like, well, I can't do it then. Right. And that you're right. Like I don't ever want my students to feel that way. So Yeah. yeah, so smart. Definitely. Okay. So looking back seven plus years. Yes. Were there some specific like milestones of big struggles or breakdowns that you had to get through before you've, you know, revamped your mindset or, or like really just like big blocks that you had that you really struggled, especially like in the earlier days. Yeah. So in the earlier days, one thing is that I felt like I needed to have a huge blockbuster launch. And so Mm. my first real launch before I worked with Lewis, I made two hundred and sixty-seven dollars on my well, first. I thought launch. you were going to say thousand. I was like, "What? That's amazing!" No. Two hundred sixty-seven thousand. I, I made three thousand, but if you take out off expenses, I made two hundred and sixty-seven dollars. Yeah. Social, me- social media book launch. Love it. And the problem with that is I had never launched a book, but I had worked with authors, so I don't know how I came to this conclusion that I should be teaching that. But I was so desperate to niche myself. Like I wanted to be known for something. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, authors, book launches and all that. So that was an epic failure. But what I thought, I saw Tony Robbins launch. I saw these big internet marketers launch. And I thought that's what was going to happen with me. I, I knew everything I needed to do. So right away, I felt like I was not 
enough or was not good enough. And I yeah. think I carried that with me for a while until I figured out, oh, this is going to take a little time. So thinking it should happen quickly because I've, I know the people and I know how to do stuff and I've been there before. Not true. Yeah. It does take time. It takes time. I, I, I've always had this analogy where it's like planting the seed and it's like, it's a, it's a slower growing tree that we're growing as a personal brand that yes. you're planting seeds today with the work that you're doing. And, and we have to be willing to like, are you willing to not dig up the soil tomorrow and see, <laughs> did anything happen? Right. Because it's, it's growing something down the line, which can be a very big tree yes. versus like maybe doing one-on-one -on -one coaching or service-based. You like, you can get results really fast with that. Like, boom, you can go get a client today, but how tall can you grow that tree? Right. So yeah, I think there is some, some patience, but were you able to like let go of that, you know, am I enough? I'm not enough. I was. It took me a few years of, you know, stumbling and kind of figuring out this launch thing and getting it all going. But that was one of the big things. I always also had a lack of confidence for many, many years. I mm -hmm. think my confidence has come in the last few years, actually, yeah. which is crazy to say because I've had success without having a lot of confidence. I know I am good at what I do, but I also see all these other people doing big, wonderful, amazing things. And I get into that comparison game and then my confidence wavers a little bit or a lot. I, I mean, I remember, especially when we were in the peer-based mastermind, you, there would be a lot of worry. A lot of worry. And it was always funny because it was like, we were always laughing. I knew we shouldn't laugh when you were worried. <laughs> they laughed at me, guys. We laughed at her because you're always like worrying about nothing. Yeah. And, and it's like, it was clear that it was like all made up and in your head, mm -hmm. but it was very real to you. Very but we were, real. we were laughing because like, I remember going to one of the masterminds, the one we did in Newport beach. And you're like, so I've got 10,000 people registered for this webinar. <laughs> and, and we're sitting there like getting 800 people registered and <laughs> stoked about that. And you're like, and you know, and we're like, and What's I wanted 12,000. Yeah. And it's like, but so, I only got 10 instead of yes. 12. I would find the worry. I remember I had launched B school for a few years in the very early and I had made a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I was a solid affiliate mm -hmm. and Marie came out and said, I'm going to choose my affiliates. Some people will be approved. Some people won't. Yeah. And my first thought was she's not going to choose me. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So you talked about before the show and I mentioned it that how much you've revamped your mindset yes. and how much you're thinking differently. Does that, is that still show up for you? That type of stuff today? Like, do you even look back at that and just be like, how silly is that? Or I look back and think how silly it is. But now that I'm in a, such a different place and have worked very hard on my mindset yeah. and really re-engineering that whole thing, when thoughts like that come up, they go away like that. And how do they go away like that? Is they it go away like that because I always know that I, one, get to choose what I think and yeah. what I feel. It's literally a choice every minute. And number two, I remind myself that I am really good at creating stories in my head. And there's no truth to 99% of the stories that I create. I know that's my pattern, so I can switch it quickly. That's powerful. And despite how many of these stories you were telling yourself and despite how much worry and lack of confidence you had, you were still creating something extraordinary. Yes. And so now we, I just have to start asking like, <laughs> what can she do without any of these stories, right? without any of these worries? I feel as though 
my best years are ahead of me. Yeah. I really do. And I have to tell you, I've had a, a worry over the last few years. I don't have it as much anymore of getting older on camera. I'm older than mm -hmm. you, obviously, and getting older on camera and these young kids are coming in and they're doing amazing things. And then I start to think, yeah, but I have tapped into something with my audience and my connection yep. with them and my truth to them and my teaching skills are so strong that I can only get better if I choose to. And your audience is also getting older. Yeah. Like that, we tend to forget that. We think Isn't we're the only ones aging. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I look at my audience and they are me. They, I, they are a reflection. I see myself in all of them. Yeah. So I am not going to let that silly thought get in my way. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else that you've, you've worked on? Cause it, I mean, I can see it. I can, I can feel it. Like, cause I, I also wanted to be able to like, have you offer anything for people that are worried about or, uh, like struggling with confidence. Like they're telling themselves that story. I don't have the confidence. Like, what would you say to, I would say do the work in terms of learning how to shift your mindset. Like mm -hmm. you are a perfect example of this and you have been a huge influence with me around shifting my mindset. So mm -hmm. when you came to me and said you were going to start this podcast, I'm like, this is what you were meant to do. You were perfect mm -hmm. for this. And so I've done the work. I'm not there yet, but I've done the work over the last year of learning what it means to shift your mindset, learning how to choose new thoughts, learning how to learning that thoughts create feelings and feelings create actions. And my actions are, you know, where my results are. So I want big results. So I've got to change those thoughts Absolutely. and feelings. So I've had to study it. I've had to journal. I've had to read. I've had to go to events. I feel like I had to become a student to do what I've done over the last year. And I would offer that to anybody listening. I also hired a life coach, which mm. I never thought I would say that. Would you recommend that I to somebody? I think everybody should have a life coach. Yeah. I firmly believe. Yeah. Now, my life coach is a true blue life coach, but she also is a specialist in weight loss. So I've been on this weight loss journey, as you know, but we don't even talk about the food. We talk about all the life stuff and my stories and my thoughts and my feelings. I think everybody should get a life coach. Yeah. Amen to that. I, <laughs> I, I would love a, a life I would, coach. I think I, you would love having a life coach. Yeah. You yeah. might Because it's more than... <laughs> I'd be like, look, this is the question you should be asking <laughs> me right totally now. totally would. Can we start over? <laughs> um, so, and actually like, you know, I think one of the definitions of insanity is talking to yourself. And I do a lot of talking to myself. Like I do a lot of my own self-coaching. I ask, like, okay, James, you're doing that again. What, what would be a different way in which you could approach this? And another, you know, and I'm oh doing that in my goodness. head all the time. I don't journal as much as I I don't journal I a ton. I don't like to. My coach, has me journal when something is not working and yeah. I have to journal and figure out why. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So let's talk about confidence then. What is confidence for like you feel confidence now more than you used to? Yes. And I think the confidence came from starting to speak my mind and mm -hmm. realizing, and this is for everyone, I believe, once you speak your mind, once you start telling the truth, once you open up, once you let people in, you will find your tribe. There's no doubt in my mind. And that is where my confidence came from. Yeah. So it's like, I think what I'm hearing is that we're afraid to say what we really want to say because of what we think is going to happen. Right. And then once you start doing that, you realize none of that happens. None of it. Like the whole world didn't come crashing down and you're like and more of the opposite happens people are like wow thank you someone that's what has been so cool yeah but before you move on from this topic and i know mm -hmm. we're probably gonna wrap up soon no, no, but you're good. i am dying to know what you struggled with i don't even know i don't even know what you're gonna say 
yeah, over the years or recently, yeah, like, like well, no, we can go what, anywhere. Where in those first, let's say five years, mm-hmm. if you look back yep. around the time that you work with Lewis and after Lewis, like, what do you think your biggest struggle was in the business? <sighs> well, it was definitely uh, needing to be liked. Okay. Actually, I thought I was really good at it. <laughs> which is that's what makes it hard right yes. it's like okay when your strategy is you know very similar to yours of like i wanted people to like me i want everyone to like me and then you find that you're actually really good at it yeah. where like i can put on the charm and the oh, charisma yeah. and be really nice and and really smart and have ideas for people you know that was i didn't the hard thing was i didn't see that as a something to struggle with but you do you start seeing how much you're playing small And for me, I was operating in a world of permission. I was waiting for permission for everything. Permission to do my own thing, permission to launch, permission to say what I wanted to say. And I was needing approval. I was needing people to to tell me what to do. And when you just like reach a point where you realize like that's never coming. Right. And I don't (laughs) need it. So if I'm waiting for it, I'm going to be waiting a, a heck of a long time. I started to realize too how much my world and my life and my happiness was now in the hands of complete strangers, which is always just an interesting thing. Whenever we are getting into fear and worry about what people think or them judging us, it's like, okay, so what you're saying is your happiness doesn't matter. Your family doesn't matter, but this complete stranger on the internet and their opinion does. And you're going to let your life be dictated by them. And it, it like, you get to a point where you're just like, enough's enough, you know, enough's enough. I realized how much I was playing small and still like worried about rocking the boat. Yeah. And especially like, it's not even like there's different context to it. Cause it's not just like people on your email list. Like you're always going to get someone be like, F you, you know, right. it's like, great. Okay. Deleted. That's fine. It was more like almost like peers in the industry or people that had come before you and you start like, Oh, you know, and, yes. and here's something that came up this year. If I can be like what? vulnerable with you, our launch in June was a seven figure launch. It was the biggest launch we'd ever done. And subconsciously, I we're, we're able to catch it today, which is the difference, right? It's a lifetime of mastery. But from this moment forward, we can catch it every time, right? You can hear the story. You can stop. You can, yes. you can do something about it. But I noticed myself subconsciously pumping the brakes on the launch. What? And I was like... I don't want, I was hearing myself say, I don't want to take too much of the spotlight away from the others out there. What? It was crazy. And that's what I would say to myself too, is I was like, what, why, where is this coming from? I was like, I don't want it to be too big. And I was literally like found myself and like we, we, you talked about having a lack of abundance. Maybe that's something to end with for today. Yeah. Cause that's something that's a big topic I'm really passionate about. But I found myself all of a sudden in a place of like not abundance. Cause I was almost telling myself like, if all these people buy my launch, then there's going to be nothing left for other people. Wow. I was like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> and it was so weird. It, that, but but that, ha- that was in June. And I found myself kind of like pulling my punches and, and you know, and as a metaphor of like putting your messaging out there and all this kind of like pulling back and not putting a hundred percent into it. And I'm like, I think it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. I would have never guessed this. Yeah. And then of course, I cleaned that up because like you said, okay. you got to do the work. So yeah. I did the work. It's hard to do it. It's hard to do it in a launch when it's like you got two days left yeah. and it's like you got a million things to do anyways. But we had one just just a couple weeks ago and we more than doubled it, you know, so and I was amazing. like, I'm not going to let that happen again. That's just not going to happen. And that's I think that's the thing is like 
and when you're present and you're aware and you observe these, this is about like, hey, this is the lesson I need to learn. This is what I'm going through right now. And then you better freaking learn it because it ain't going anywhere no. until you do. It's so true. Let me ask you this, and then we're going to talk about abundance and we'll wrap up. What drives you today? Today, what drives me is the stories. And this is truly, this has not always been the case. The stories from my students. Mm -hmm. I've gotten better at getting those stories from them. And that fuels me more than ever. Totally. And I wasn't good at getting the stories before. So they just weren't part of the experience for me. Now that I know I'm a good teacher, I know my product creates results. Getting those stories, I can get up every morning for those. And I think what you're saying here is... It's like the secret weapon of this business, of any business. It's the secret weapon. Like everyone's looking for the secret funnel, the secret strategy, the secret tool. That's it right there. That when you can lock onto that, that will have you overcome everything. That will make you bigger than your circumstances, bigger than your excuses, bigger than your fears every single time if you tap into that. And this is something that we actually really leaned in heavily within the past 18 months where it wasn't just me but it's now it's the team and like they're hungry for it and they're looking for them. And every week we're sharing your guys's, you guys listening, sharing your stories internally in our team meetings and getting to know our customers and talking about them, even when they don't know, you know, so so you guys are getting those like angel bumps or whatever. It's because we're talking about you. (laughs) And here's something then I had to grapple with. And this is very recent for me. Very recent is like coming from a place of, of service and wanting to help and, and create these stories I then found myself, and I don't know if you've done this, but we're going deep for a second, finding an attachment of like, if I want to be of service and I want to provide value, it's like it had to come from me. Yeah. I had to catch that as well and be like, wait a second. If I really want to be of service and I really want to, you know, help people, I have to be 100% okay from they get help from wherever, whenever, whoever, you know what I mean? It's like I could give you a tip and a piece of information and then someone else could come and give you something else and you take their advice and you go and get amazing results. I can't be like, gosh, darn it. You know, (laughs) I wanted to serve them and I didn't serve them. It's like, no, they got served. They got help. They got impacted. You know, you you got results and I have to be completely detached from where it comes because that's the ego again. It's the ego coming back in. It's yes. like, I need credit. And I wasn't like I needed credit, but like I wanted to, it, yeah. I wanted to be this like direct tethered yes. thing. And like, man, that was, that was like real that, recent for me. That's major growth though. Yeah. If, if you can move beyond that, it sounds like you did. To me, that is major growth. Yeah. So. For me, when I got into the stories, there was a moment where I all of a sudden felt very responsible for their happiness. Mm. So at the f- stories, when I started digging in more, backfired just a little because then I thought, well, what if it stops working for them? What if they retired their husband? Wow. What if he has to go back to work? Or Wow, Amy, that's yeah, a lot of pressure right? you're putting on yourself. And, and then some people would come to me and they'd tell me where they're struggling and where it's not working. And I would go home and think, oh my gosh, it's not working for Sally and I got to figure that out for her. Yeah. And so I had to first say, whoa, this Mm -hmm. is not going to serve anybody. Because not only that, because then at a subconscious level, you can't have any more customers because you've already created this burden of the ones you have. Exactly. And I feel so fearful for them. Mm -hmm. This didn't last long because I realized, holy cow, this is not going to work. And then I realized I always use myself. My students are me, but I'm just ahead of them in terms of what I've done. But they are very much who I used to be growing my business. And so I think 
did I ever feel that someone was responsible for my success? Never in a million years. That's a great point to just like turn it around on yourself. Like, wait a second. What is I ever sitting there and is it taking someone's online course and say they better fix my bank account? Exactly. Never. And I have an amazing audience. We have so much overlap. We have amazing people that are in our community. And I thought they would never put that on me and I'm not going to put it on me as well. Good for you. Yeah. So that's for you. That's that's huge. And I think that's a big fear people have is like, what if I do make sales and then all of a sudden I've got this burden of all these people. So I'm glad you brought that up. Let's wrap it up with just a few minutes here talking about this. You talked about early in the days, back in the day, you could see that you had really like a lack of abundance mindset. Very much. That's not the case now. Not at all. I think you and I are a perfect example. I called James last week and I said, let's talk about our courses because I've got this course that I teach people how to create courses and launch with webinars. He's got BBD and some people might say like, oh, well, you've got that in your program and Amy has that and da, da, da. And I never want to come from a place of lack. Well, yeah. And even we said it was like when people say, what's the difference? And I said, well, the challenge with that is people are already creating an A or B conversation in their life. Exactly. is I can only learn one or the other. I can only have one or the other. And I say, even that is lack. And it's like, why would we do that? Like, you don't go to, you know, the Rolling Stones and say, I like that music. Do I get the Rolling Stones or do I get the Beatles? Right. It's like, you get both. Well, you probably get the Rolling Stones. Yeah, right. yeah, cause, yeah okay. All right. <laughs> but I get you I get Beatles. But yeah, so we, you and I have these great conversations about abundance all the time. I think yeah. we're totally on the same page where we feel there is enough for everybody. Yeah. And so, so I, and it, here's, I'll give you a few things for your audience to kind of see how I handle this. I don't watch what everybody is doing. Mm-hmm. If you say to me, like, did you see so-and-so, or do you know this person? I don't know everybody. And totally. I sure as heck don't know what they're doing. For the record, James doesn't even watch my Insta stories, yeah. everyone. So I'm, but I'm taking I, your advice. I'm, I'm so I just, offended. I take your advice. <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds like my own advice. We were, <laughs> we were at Rick Mulready's baby shower and I had just gotten done a five days of intense filming. And I thought James would be so proud of me because he recommended the crew that I hired and da da da. So I'm like, I got through it and he's like what did you get through i'm like have you not been watching my insta stories for the last five days he's like I okay don't that's not them. exactly how it happened for the record because this is being recorded what i did is when i came over and i saw the set i said oh, oh was yes. that for your online course that you true because we talk on the phone that is true so i keep so updated with you the old-fashioned yes, way he is so right we do have a true friendship we had already talked on the phone but he wasn't watching my insta I've, stories. i don't think i've ever but, seen one of your insta oh stories. my gosh they're really good i don't watch anybody's insta <laughs> Insta so stories. that is kind of like, I don't want my audience not to watch my Insta stories. However, you have to limit your consumption of social media and what other people are doing and really care a whole lot less about what other people are doing in your industry. It's tunnel vision. I, yeah. Totally. I, if you said, who are my competitors? And I recently did a branding exercise yeah. with someone. She said, who are your competitors? I'm like, I have no, I have no yeah. idea who to even say. Right. And I think we all should feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And really, like, I just, I can't look. I don't want, for many reasons, and it's not uh, anything else other than, like, I want what I'm doing and creating to be pure for me and what's yes. coming from me, not like, like oh, I'm going to take a little of this person's right? and a little of this. That's it's like, another thing. So 
I was telling yeah. my students, I, I did this workshop and I said, I don't study what my competitors are doing. If someone has a course on courses, I don't buy their course and figure out what they've totally, done. Right. I would never do that. And she said, but you told us to do some research about our competitors. I said, researching your competitors and when you're getting into a space, when you're figuring out your yeah. niche is one thing. When you know what you're doing and you're staying in your lane, there is no reason to go into somebody else's course and see exactly totally. how they teach and, it. And to, we see this time and time again where when people are constantly obsessing over what everyone else is doing, they're letting that determine what they do. The yes. decisions that they're making for the future of their business is not based on the vision of what they want to create, but it's based on what other people have already done. And I, I remember hearing Tony Robbins say that this is a great thing. I heard him say where someone came up to him and said like, I watch everything you do. I've been studying you closely and a year from now I'm going to be just like you. Uh, and he said something like that's cute or that's funny, but you won't be because a year from now I'm going to be this much further down the road. <laughs> that sounds like Tony. <laughs> right? I know a little like cocky there, but it was a great point. Cause it's like, if you're trying to copy what everyone else is doing, you're copying their past. You're if, if, if you copied what we just did in our launch guys, and you're trying to like, I'm going to be your competitor, blah, 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 which we don't even believe in competition anyways, it's collaboration, of course, but you're copying what I started working on in January and I've got something cooked up for next year and you're copying a year, year out of dated material. It's out of date, you know, it's it. And you'll always be reacting. You'll always be in the past anyways. So yeah. Okay. Any other abundance things? Like what about money? Was, was money a, something you had money, an interesting yes. relationship with? And James and I have talked about this, that I come from a very blue collar family mm. and this whole idea of money doesn't grow on trees and you got to hold on to it and be very, very, tight with all your money and also you have to work your butt off to make it right. so these are things that i actually don't believe anymore however i have to be very careful because i can go back into it well if i don't do this this and this i'm not going to make right the money I or i won't make. be deserving of it deserving or that's yeah. another thing back in the Ooh. day i would do i remember my first million dollar launch and i thought it was all going to go away be taken away from me because i didn't deserve mm. it so oh. I don't feel that way anymore. But that, it's crazy to hear ourselves say I know like it makes me things. sad, but yeah. yeah, not anymore. So I've come a long way with abundance and with how I feel about my competition and how I feel about money in general. And I will say one thing before we wrap up. And I think it's easy to say I don't feel that way when I have a multi-million dollar business. But I will say these are things I learned on the way to where I am now. It's not like I started making a million dollars and all my money issues went away. This is is something I've, I've worked on. Yeah, I really, this is a great place to end on because I've talked about this with our students before because they'll say things like, well, easy for you, James. Right. It's easy when you've got the launch or the money or the whatever. And it's like, you got it backwards. This becomes before that. Yes. The inner work comes and then the outer is a reflection a of that. A million percent. And I hope if people walk away with just one thing, that to me is an important lesson. Yeah. Otherwise, this is called conditional living yes. where I'll feel confident once I do this. I'll feel abundant once I have the money, once I do the launch. I'll feel successful once I've done that. Backwards. You got to flip it. So, Amy, this has been a pleasure. I love talking to you. Right? This yes. was great. So this much is, fun. This is so Thank much fun. You. We've been live on Facebook sideways. 
um, <laughs> our, our video sideways, but so it looks like we're like floating on the wall and people have been tuning in. So thank you guys for hanging in on Facebook. Thank you for listening really quickly. I want to make sure people go check out your pod. I mean, they probably already are all listening to it, but let's make sure they, the thank one you. person that isn't yet <laughs> is. So tell us a little bit about your show. It's the online marketing made easy podcast. And we talk all things marketing stuff I know and stuff my guests know. How many episodes a week do you do? We just do one episode just, a week. Uh, yep. what, Thursday? Every Thursday. Every Thursday mm-hmm. do an episode. Awesome. It's a great show. What episode number are you up to? Two. I just recorded 239. Dang. So, yeah. yeah. We're doing three weeks. So I'm like oh catching my God. up what to you. What number are you on? We're like 210. Okay. How do you do three a week? That's a conversation for another It's actually time. been a bit of a struggle. That's it's busy, a busy, busy, yeah, busy, busy. That's a lot. So um, Impressive. It is a conversation for another time, but we're loving it. We're well, having a blast. I'm glad that I got to do one with you. you you're the one there. who inspired me to do a podcast. Just like, wow, I love it. I love Amy's that. Doing, so. Well, you're killing it. I tell everyone to listen. Stop it. I do. Well, (laughs) now I'm on the air telling everyone to listen (laughs) to your podcast. We'll link it up in the show notes for you guys. Make sure to go follow Amy on Instagram. Is it you doing your cool stuff on Instagram now? I do my best work on Instagram stories. James is missing my life. Come follow me over there. That's where I'm I just go hang out with you in real life. (laughs) True. And then I I make my stories about you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Great. Then you can go listen, watch my stories. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Amy. Thank you to our listeners. We'll see you all on the next episode whenever that is, Wednesday, because it's our two of three episodes, Wednesday edition of the Mind Your Business podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be, so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.